Hey, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Russ Rants Podcast. Seriously, I appreciate it. If you're wondering what this podcast is all about, really, it's, it's about you. It's for you. It's about having conversations with ordinary people and yet hearing their extraordinary stories. It's a platform that hopefully challenges you to challenge yourself to change and improve. Without further ado, here's the rant. Enjoy. Hello, everybody. Welcome. It's, uh, I, I t- see, I promised you guys, I promised you guys that I would try to keep up a semi-regular schedule when it came to this podcasting thing, and I'm so pleased that we're on track, but not only on track, we're freaking on track with a beautiful guest, a beautiful human being. Um, it's actually funky, so I'm going to, I'm going to introduce him. Uh, our guest today on the Russ Rants podcast is Senor Ryan Dean Dexton. Uh, you can find him on YouTube, on Instagram. We're going to plug him at the very end as well because this guy's doing amazing stuff when it comes to the culinary arts, but also just showing the world how delicious he can make the world. Um, but I've actually known Senor Ryan here for years. And uh, as much as he's a wonderful man, uh, I, I am not his primary uh, friendship here, guys. Uh, my youngest brother, Lyndon, uh, or Exhibit Lyndon, if you find him also on Instagram, Senor Barber, uh, Ryan, you and him grew up, but I just, before I get there, I just wanted to say welcome and thank you again for joining me on the Restaurants Podcast, my man. Thank you. No, thank you. Thank yeah, you. This is it's awesome. a pleasure to be here. No, I'm super excited. So uh, you became, now you're going to have to elaborate here because I want to give people some background here. We know each other just passively because you're good friends with Lyndon, but how the heck, yeah. how the heck did we actually meet you guys? Do you know? Uh, I think your mom and my mom knew each other from high school, I think. Okay. Yeah. Okay, that makes more sense. Yeah, and then, like, they reconnected when I think I was, like, 13 or 14, something like that. Yeah, because, like – It was 2010. Yeah, because I remember Lennon telling me about his friend Ryan, and I hadn't met you for the first few hangouts that whenever – I think – did you ever come over to our house in Medicine Hat, or was it – I, yeah, I think I did. And once. then he sent, yeah. and then we sent Lyndon often over to Red Deer, which we were very grateful for, uh, if I'm yes, not mistaken. Yeah. So no, so like we we've <laughs> known each other kind of passively, and that the reason why, other than you being just such a marvelous human being, I wanted you on the podcast, and I was so grateful. Just so you guys know, for context, in typical Russell fashion, um, I asked Ryan last minute if he'd want to just be a guest. And of course, Ryan being amazing was like, yeah, I'm sure. I don't know what I'm doing, but yeah, <laughs> let's, let's talk about stuff. So um, just so you guys know, uh, Ryan Dean Dexton, I'm going to be talking to you almost like you're not who you are. Um, but on on your YouTube channel and on Instagram, uh, you kind of have a brand that you're building. You kind of have a little bit of a swagger and kind of a mission, but it, I don't even know if it's a mission or if it's just something you wanted to play around with. So I want you to tell people a bit about yourself, what you're doing, and then we're gonna we're gonna talk about some of the things that you're doing right now, Senor. So the floor is yours. All right. Uh, well, I guess I'm a cook. Um, I'm on my way to like becoming a chef, I guess. Okay. Uh, not quite like there yet. Hopefully soon I'll be uh there. Um, yeah, I don't really know. I think I guess a lot of my uh, passion and brand and focus on the internet is to like provide space for people to fall in love with food and to understand the culture of food and to really not be afraid with like expressing themselves through that artistic passion. Um, I guess like I grew up like a picky eater and Serious. like I didn't, yeah, I didn't like food. <laughs> so I guess it was, it was a very interesting transition of like be realizing at like 19 years old, like, Hey, I want to become a chef. And then at 20, it's like, okay, now I have the entire world's cuisines of foods to like really explore and dive into and it's just 
I guess my YouTube channel and my Instagram are kind of like a method of me like exploring the world's cuisines alongside the viewer. Okay, so everyone has kind of an origin story then, and that actually is like a, a kind of an interesting start because yes, everyone, yeah. you, you've gone to culinary school. I don't know if that's how, yeah. what you call it, but I assume culinary yeah. school, okay? So you're a picky eater. When did you start to realize, so aside from just being picky though, your journey, and obviously we'll, we'll get into later on where you're at right now, but when did you start to experiment with food and stuff? When did you decide, I actually kind of want to take a stab at this thing for anyone out there who's interested in also pursuing it? But what was your origin story kind of thing? When did you start exploring food? Uh, I took a couple of foods courses in high school. I took like one in grade 10 and 11. Um, those were really the first two experiences that I remember vividly of like, hey, I really like this cooking thing. So in high school, like I was learning how to make like pasta dishes at home, like I was baking cookies for my family, uh, a couple little things like that. Nothing like too crazy, but okay. just like very simple tasks, like very, very basics. And uh, I guess like realizing that I liked the way that people reacted to my food. Okay. I like the way that like, hey, if I provide you something to eat, you're going to smile and you're going to say it's good. And that like gives me gratification. And, yes. you know, it's still working with my hands and yeah, I guess like it was it was something that I didn't realize how much I loved until 1920. And then I was like, I was getting to the point of like, okay, what am I going to do with my life? So I yeah. tried going to like business college. Okay. Um, so you did experiment yeah. before you actually jumped into it kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, the restaurants or restaurant industry is a really low barrier to entry, which mm -hmm. is pretty great. <laughs> it's, uh, sure, sure. It's it's. It's kind of like a job that people like, I don't know where I'm going with this. I don't know what I'm doing with my life. Right. And then it's like they find themselves in a restaurant and then they kind of get stuck there. So then I guess for me, I kind of had an ambition before I got stuck there. <laughs> so it was, uh, yeah, uh, I guess it was like no real big like moment of like, hey, I'm going to be a chef. But it was more like a bunch of gradual small changes like okay i like food and then it's like i like eating and it's like eventually became like okay the process of cooking process of having a sharp knife like sauteing something in a pan all that just became more and more beautiful the more I did it you kind of so you kind of tore it apart so you what kind of started with a fancy and a little bit of curiosity they broke it down further yeah. and instead of that overwhelming you you're like oh my gosh there's so much more yeah. to this thing i didn't even realize before right yeah like i thought it was just like fancy steaks when i was like getting into culinary school yeah, yeah. i was like okay well i just want to know how to grill a steak now it's like okay you know screw the steakhouse i want to cook a weird fusion cuisine i want to do some ingredients that you've never heard of i want to work with local farms i want to do like stuff that nobody else is doing doing tasting menus no matter what it is like i want it to be like pushing people's expectations right and i guess it like culinary school really um, broke you down and said like, okay, you want to work in a restaurant. Well, this is nothing like a restaurant. If you don't have the experience, you're not going to make it. So you've got to work extra hard. And it was, uh, yeah. Okay. So let me ask you this then for someone who's a schmuck like me, because again, we, we here on the restaurants podcast, we want to make sure that we explore everyone's story, but we also get to, I, I, I am, I am a schmuck. Like I, I'm a pretty s simple guy, meat and potatoes. I uh, dare say, Ryan, I'm so sorry. You're going to hate me. I, I don't, no, explore please. I love meat and potatoes. I, I don't, but I mean, I don't explore like any food. I'm not adventurous at all. And I don't know if linen's the same way, but it's like, if it looks good and it tastes good, we're going to stick with that. 
if I have to try yeah. something new, maybe I will. And so yeah. for, for someone who's never considered the culinary arts at all, or even is just even trying to play around with the idea of experimenting with it, or they want more information, what did you learn? Some key things you never, like anyone off the street wouldn't know about food that you were blown away by uh, when you entered school. Is there anything right off the bat where anyone like me, who's very basic with food, should know or might discover they love some or aspects about food if they knew what you knew yeah. was there anything like that um i think the biggest thing for me that i've learned like that like kind of blew my mind is that simple food tastes the best um okay four or five four or five six ingredients is really all you need to make an absolutely killer dish i'm writing that down it's more about it's more about the method that you do and uh, the way you extract the flavor of the dish. It is more than like how many different kinds of spices and how many different kinds of flavors. If you do onion, carrot, celery, all your mirepoix, all this, that, everything, it's just going to get really um, like, it's going to be too much for your tongue. Um, you're not going to really like be able to, yeah, you're not going to be able to distinguish every single flavor that's there. So then sometimes you don't add some things so that the other flavors pop a little bit more. Um, otherwise, it's just going to be like really heavy on one flavor. So you don't need to be like spending all your time making the most complex mole sauces because sometimes they just feel like a big pile of complex. Right. You can't really distinguish any flavors. But like if you simplify it, make it a little bit easier, but then you take more time into like method, I suppose – um, it'll probably taste better. Uh, I guess like also just because you don't like an ingredient one way doesn't mean you don't like it at all. Like I don't like Brussels sprouts normally, but have you tried like deep fried yes. Brussels sprouts? Yes. It's so good. Amazing. And I don't like Brussels sprouts really? either. I feel you. Like there's so many different ways to eat an ingredient. Um, like nobody likes boiled pork. Like that's it's a terrible way of cooking it. So I right. feel like with every ingredient, you have a proper way of preparing it. And without doing that, like you're probably not going to get like the right flavors and like pairing it with different things too. I don't know. Like um, I don't like green peas, but green peas and scallops together, two things I don't like, they go really well. Okay. Okay. And like, yeah. now explain this to me too then. So when, in your videos, and again, I'm going to plug it. You guys should definitely go see it because they're so short. First off, I want to say I appreciate how you don't try to draw it out unless you had to, unless you had to get really into the yeah. nitty gritty. It's awfully simple. You, you you go in your steps, you show the, the stuff being diced or cut or poured in or whatever. Um, and like Pola, I think it was, I swear it was the risotto. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, but Pola was just like, damn, that is so simple. I'm like, I, I don't know. I could watch another one. Right. And so where with your brand right now, we'll get into kind of where you're at in your career and where you're trying to get to, because I don't understand the whole hierarchy of the chef and how you have to get there kind of thing. So we'll get into that yeah. in a moment. But with your brand, even whether it's just something that you're just doing for play or serious, like first off, maybe let's start there. What what made you start or decide you wanted to kind of make a few videos and just kind of get it out there on your social media and stuff like that? Yeah, um, I guess like I was watching a lot of Netflix series on restaurants, like you know Chef's Table, David Chang, like in Van like breakfasts, lunch, dinner, whatever he did in Vancouver. Yeah, um, it was mostly the one he did in Vancouver with Seth Rogen on Netflix. Um, I was really disappointed by the episode. Uh, Vancouver has a pretty solid like restaurant scene, 
and they went to a donut shop, they went to a Chinese restaurant, which was good, and they went to another restaurant in Richmond. But I felt like they there's so many like good restaurants in Vancouver that have such a good atmosphere and culture that like they do show good places. I'm not like complaining about the restaurants they went to. I'm complaining more so about like the kitchen. They're not showing the, the way things are being cooked. They're yeah. not like looking out for the back of house, you know, like um, I guess I really wanted to create a platform eventually so I can like go into a restaurant that I'm a big fan of, talk to the kitchen staff, talk to the chef, you know, film the service, talk about some of the challenges they face you know, talk about the unique things about the restaurant that are strengths, you know, and uh, really just provide a different kind of experience for the viewer. Because a lot of people are like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go watch a Jamie Oliver special on how to make turkey for Thanksgiving. Exactly. I don't want to do that. Exactly. I, I want to, like, create an atmosphere for people to say, oh, okay, restaurant industry, the number one industry in North America, I think, is the service industry. So these restaurants all have some things in common. How can I learn from the greats in Vancouver or Toronto or Montreal? And I guess like me going into a restaurant and interviewing a chef might be able to expose some topics of conversation that we can work on as an industry. So let me ask you this then, because that's an interesting topic you bring up. How do you feel, yeah. again, if unless you go through your journey or you're naturally inclined? So I think I think I'm a pretty good baseline for the spectrum here okay so if i don't really know a lot or the only exposure i get is television are you satisfied Mm -hmm. in some respects to how they've kind of commercialized a lot of this you know they try to make it all beautiful they try their best to show the fun ways of cooking or do you think unfortunately it does a disservice somewhat to your industry where we don't get the full picture often or it's mostly unless it's fluffy or it's really nice or it's martha stewart um, you know, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't actually show another side of, of the culinary world that you really think is, is lacking, or do you think they mostly do a good job? I think that a lot of cases they do a good job. I think there's a lot of people who are on the Hollywood side of the restaurant industry that provide a very good experience for home cooks. Sure. Like I'm not getting on Jamie Oliver in any sense. No, I get he it. I creates great recipes for a lot of home cooks. Right, for sure. What I'm I just I guess like since Anthony Bourdain's death, there's kind of yes. been like a, uh, yes. a a vacancy in the restaurant industry for people looking out for the back of house. David Chang kind of was filling that a little bit, but then with his new series, he was kind of taking it the other direction. Right. Mind of a Chef was very good in where he like dove into like, you know, interviewing chefs, talking about the back of house. But I guess there's a big culture in the back of house of, you know, like there's a big rampant drug scene Bourdain talked about that I've talked about that in all of his books he talked about his depression and how like the restaurant industry struggles from all these issues and I guess like nobody's really talking about that right sure it's Hollywood right yeah and so I don't think it's doing a disservice I just think that it's a cover-up hmm like it maybe like I said it's that face that they want to show because it's sexy it sells whereas the other world because now for example I have a I have a buddy. He left the industry. He went. He went to culinary school. Uh, he's here in Calgary. Um, he he was he did the night stuff all the time, right? And that's one thing I'll, I'll get into in a moment as well, because it is a different type of career timeline. Unless there's different alternative um, uh, hours of operation you get to work in, but yeah. he mostly remarked about how it's 
your nights are not your own. That's prime time in your industry. That is, you can't yeah. t- take a, an evening off if, if you know if you're working a really good job. That's your time to shine. You get used to the yeah. morning life, right? I do my stuff, my regular daily activities, and then you go to work and finish the day late sometimes, yeah. uh, right? But he he said how with his industry and stuff, the the back of house. I've never heard that phrase before, so I, I think that's absolutely fascinating. But he said it's a different world depending on where you're working, um, and people don't mm-hmm. see that. I a consumer will sit at my booth, order food, and typically if you do a good job, you may never get praised because it tastes the way yeah. a magnificent meal feels. So, what, yeah. you know, what what kind of has been your experience in, you know, again, um, this is a publicly aired podcast, so don't worry, we're, we're not going to get you in trouble with anyone that you work with or work for, but, but if you're <laughs> oh, just no, being honest, you know, but for, for the kind of world you live and work in, what are some of the realities that people don't often see that you would want to convey to people? What are some concerns yeah. or some really big things that people should be aware of either to appreciate you more or whatever? Uh, I guess there's a few things. The only real way to like move on and grow in your career is by sacrificing your time. Um, you can go overseas and work at the Michelin star restaurant, which is like internationally renowned, which Canada has zero internationally renowned restaurants. Whoa. Um, but another topic for later, but <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, I guess it's also like the, you're going to be spending 10 to 12 hours a day at your work. There's going to be long hours, five, six days a week. And the biggest thing I think for me is that Cooks are criminally underpaid in the North America scene. Mm, interesting. Um, like there's no overtime for a lot of places. You're paid per day, not per hour. Um, like I had a guy uh, I was working with. He was working at one of the best restaurants in Vancouver. He was working eight hour. No, he's getting paid eight hours a day, but he was working 12. Oh. 13. Like suffering for your just, heart. Serious. Yeah. Yeah. But also like it's the reputation and the hard work that comes in. Like you do that for two years, you come out, you're going to be such a stronger cook because of that. Mm. Um, and I think that's a thing that people are willing to do. They're willing to like sacrifice their time and their body in order to get to that position. And, um, you know, it's a real shame that there's there people are being paid in experience and not in money, especially in expensive cities like Vancouver, Toronto, yep. Montreal. Yep. Maybe it's New York. Maybe it's L.A. Like you're going to get underpaid. You're going to have to commute a long ways to get to your work because you can't afford the rent. Mm-hmm. And then like the restaurant scenes in a lot of other cities are just not comparable. Um, so I guess like. Also, another thing is like, if you do a good job, you're not going to get rewarded. There's no like praise. There's no like, hey, good job, everybody like getting together in a lot of different places. I mean, if you find a place that's like, okay, cool, Saturdays, beer on the chef, one beer, cool, at the end of your shift, you found the right spot. Like, Mm. don't leave. That doesn't happen very often. Um, I guess like, it's a very hostile environment for a lot of people like different restaurants. Um, like I know reputations of chefs throwing plates and having temper problems. So that's um, not Hollywood. Like, that's not a movie that we are all so like, used to with cliches and stuff. Gordon Ramsay yeah. is angry, but I can see why. Wow. <laughs> like, yeah, like he is, he's angry, but he knows his shit. So it's like, you don't question his anger. There's some chefs who like, you do something wrong and like you're rebuked for it but you like question it yourself. Yeah, like I think I was onto something chef or. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, 
yeah so like there's a lot of like very minuscule details that we could like talk about all night about I, I get all it, the sure. little tiny nitpicky things but i think those are the big ones that like i would communicate of like hey these are things to be wary of it's not every single restaurant but a lot of places have these issues Okay, so now let's walk it back here a little bit to where Ryan is at, right? So you said that you're working yeah. way to a sh- you're working your way to being a chef. Again, layman's yeah. terms, what does that journey, that career path look like for someone in culinary? What do you have to do? Where did you start? Where do you have to go? I guess kind of the idea is that um, I'm gaining experience. It's like the chef is the manager of the kitchen, right? So he's the one in charge. Um, to become a chef, on average, it takes roughly eight to ten years. Um, but there is a position below that called a sous chef. Sous so chef. the sous chef is basically the one keeping an eye on everybody in the kitchen, generally operating orders, like ordering the food when the chef's not in, making sure that everything is running smoothly when the chef has his days off. Um, yeah, basically stuff like that. Um, I'm actually closer to that position than I am to the head chef position. Sure. I'm in a transition phase currently moving to the sous chef position. I'm in um, a phase right now. As... Jeez. <laughs> yeah, no, mom, it's just a phase. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, I mean, with COVID-19, everything is very... Sure, uh, sure, sure. So confusing on, like, everything happening. So it's like, while... It's a it's an interesting period of like okay cool like I'm I've been cooking for three years in Vancouver now I'm on my way to being like management and wow. like that transition is a very big deal for somebody of my age so yes. I guess like it's it's kind of interesting to to see like hey I'm uh, 23 years old yeah seriously. I'm ahead of my age group in this career. Um, but like not make, but making sure like I don't screw it up, I guess. I'm like kind of paying attention to like the things I'm doing because a lot of the people that will be working with me are going to be older and more experienced. Right. But yet I'm going to be in that management position. Yep. So it's a very, uh, it's a very interesting like time period that I'm looking at. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. So you've got to work your way out now. Like you said, you already alluded to it. Um, you, you kind of have to pay to play in terms yeah. of your, your career, uh, sometimes, so I guess just to rehash what you said before, a lot of people might choose an establishment that has a more prestigious rep than yeah. paying better than perhaps a, a different location. You guys view that currency, at least for now, differently. Is that right? What the, like, there's a lot of different directions to be taken and okay. finding the one that is going to take you in the way that satisfies yourself the most, like lower end restaurants are going to pay you more and like a chef of a maybe an earls or a cactus might get seventy two, seventy three thousand dollars a year right but the chef of like a fine dining restaurant might get ninety thousand to a hundred thousand right so it's like okay cool well, like i want to be able to make a little bit more money and i want to you know have a little bit better of a pacing in the restaurant i don't want to see 300 people 400 people a day i want to do 80 so i can focus on the product and focus on the service right. quality and, like, over quantity yeah, but at that same time, being a chef of a, a smaller restaurant that does higher quality, there's a lot more stress. And I guess like learning how to manage that stress at a young age is like kind of what I'm trying to work on. Sure. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't really know if I answered your question. No, you or did not. good. Absolutely <laughs> did. Now, did you kind of count the cost when you went into this industry? Like, first, it started with a passion and a curiosity. Yeah. Then you went to culinary school where 
you know, instead of spending hours and hours telling us kind of some of the the crazy stuff that you've learned, I, for one, thought that's incredible with the smaller ingredients. I always get intimidated as a consumer with anything Martha Stewart does, depending where I'm like, A, who has that kind of time? And B, I don't remember step three anymore at all. And so, you know, I think it's fascinating how you, they kind of break it down for you. Uh, I'm assuming they broke down, like, we, we won't have to go into too much detail, but before I move on to the next point I wanted to get to, was there kind of a, an over high level synopsis in school? Did they kind of essentially teach you how to see your field? Did they break up the food groups? Did they break up combos? Are there any uh, interesting kind of baseline tips that, that would help anybody? Or is it way more complicated than that? And that's okay if it is. I think culinary school is definitely something for people who want to spend time in the industry. Um, if you want to learn how to cook, you can take like evening classes right. and they'll sure. teach you how to do like sure. a couple different techniques or dishes. Right. Um, but generally, like when you go to a culinary school, they're going to be teaching you the French classic way of cooking. Oh. And that's about it. They okay. might teach you a little bit about the Japanese ways of cooking, but that's like the very big fundamentals is the French. Um, the restaurant is a French word, I believe. So it's like, they were the ones who like really solidified the restaurant scene. Like, yeah, it's all about it. in the restaurant world. It's like the French are pretty much the dominant ones. And then it's like the Japanese and then, okay. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So now let's move it back then to Canada. So with yeah. your brand, Senor Dexton, uh, and, and what you're trying to do, you're, you're kind of showing the back of the house. I think that'd be really cool. Um, and seriously, I would encourage you just to continue pursuing what obviously you're passionate about. I didn't ever knew that about, uh, is it Mr. Monsieur, Mr. Bourdain? Is that like, yeah. cause I remember he committed suicide, just that stuff though, that he was talking about incredible. Um, but with your brand, you, you also talked about how Canada doesn't have a notable fancy. What, what would, do we still go by five stars or what is there a different uh, criteria? Three, three stars. It's uh, the Michelin Guide. Yeah. So, you know, the, the Michelin Tire Company. So they, uh, yes. back in like the 1912 or 15 or whatever it was, they created a book so that they could sell more tires, places to eat so that people would buy more tires and then they would drive around to different places because cars were around, but nobody was really using them. So they created okay. this guide in order for people to go around to different cities to try restaurants and they were awarding different no restaurants. No way. Three stars if they were the best or like there was one which was like one star I think was um, worth worth a stop or something like that. Worth a look. Two, sure. Yeah. And then like two was like worth going out of your way and then three was like you need yeah. to go there. Like you have to make a special trip for this. What? So, Ever like, a and Michelin? It was, Okay, keep going. So That's amazing. It's the most renowned um, like award system there is in the world. That and San Pellegrino Top 50, which is the San Pellegrino drinks that you buy at the supermarket. Right. It's crazy, right? So those are the two companies that like run the restaurant world. And it's like Canada has zero Michelin stars. Whoa. Not one. We have uh, one restaurant which has held the top spot in Canada for about four or five years now called Aloe in Toronto. Okay. Um, I think they are probably the closest ones to being awarded a Michelin star, but I don't know if Canada will ever get one. Why is that? By the way, we don't have to dive deep into this, but I am curious. Again, if you've never heard this before, I never had any idea that the Michelin man, Michelin, <laughs> with their whole tire selling tactics is now the most prestigious or one of the most prestigious ways of rating uh, a, a, you know, a, 
a restaurant. So that is incredibly fascinating. Um, but why would why would not like is there what's the criteria in in a nutshell? And you don't think Canada can hit that threshold, or unfortunately, are we giving a bum look, or what? I think it's just Canada does not have the population or money in order to sustain a high enough um, sure. competition. Like there, that restaurant is so far ahead of anybody else, like in that area. Um, like they have one low, they have three restaurants from the same company. They have Aloe, Alouette and Aloe Bar. And two of the three are on the top 100 in Canada, top 20 or something like that. Wow. And they're just, they're blowing everybody else out of the water. And because they don't have that competition and they're just holding that number one spot, I feel like the Michelin Guide is not finding enough resources or time worthy enough to spend in Canada to evaluate the entire restaurant scene. I'm sure that they've had people come by and be like, okay, yeah, this restaurant is worth one, maybe two, maybe three stars. But because there isn't enough like competition, they're not going to come over and give us a whole new guide because they produce different guides per different areas. Um, hmm. And yeah, so we might be deserving of one, but also a lot of different restaurants, um, they reduce numbers of like, capacity in order to keep their Michelin three stars because if they're not sold out and it's a Michelin three star like if they're not fully completely booked for like two months then they might go down in ratings and they might lose a star and that would look extremely bad chefs have committed suicide over losing a star oh my gosh I mean, all of everything you've told me, all I owe to Ratatouille. So, I mean, I yeah. I, I even knew the sous chef just only because of Ratatouille. Um, but now let me ask you then, have you been to one of the top uh, Michelin star restaurants or have you ever been, period? And what would you say the difference is, again, to a schmuck, uh, in quality or presentation or whatever? Did you ever go? I've never actually had the opportunity to go to a Michelin star. I've never been. get you, man. Hey, I've never been in a city which has had one. Okay, um, gotcha. Maybe I think Los Angeles has some, but I was like 16 at the time. Um, sure, the, sure. the best food that I have personally eaten is here in Vancouver. Uh, the number two restaurant in Canada just got awarded to um, St. Laurent's. It's a French Canadian restaurant. I went and I guess like it's the service, it's the food, it's the drink pairings. You say like, oh yeah, I'm thinking about getting a drink. They already know what you're going to order. They just bring it to you. They like okay. they already know like everything that like perfect timing, perfect dishes. Like it's kind of things that you would like they think about every little thing that there is nothing to worry about. You just get blown away, especially like if you have other restaurant experience in fine dining. Like I've been to a lot of different restaurants in Vancouver and this one just I don't know, just blew everything else out of the water. Like nothing compared to it. Okay. All right. Well, I'm already trying to get ideas because I know that this is an area that I suck at. Seriously. My wife <laughs> is from Chile, Santiago, right? So the fish scene, the yeah. seafood scene there, she, I mean, no offense to anyone who cooks seafood, but she's like frustrated whenever she tries to find uh, good seafood, right? So, yeah. um, you know, I, I just would love to kind of expand my understanding so that I can actually take her somewhere without being like, I don't know. Kind of looks a little fancy. Well, well, kind of the idea, depending. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I work at a Nikkei restaurant, which is Japanese-Peruvian. So I know all about the South American seafood scene. Like, it's it's crazy. It's it's the – I think Peru has, like, the number one 
like South American cuisine culture. And then like, it's very similar to Chile and it's very similar to like Argentina. And it's like, it's crazy the seafood they do that down there. And like with the different like altitudes of like Peru, Peru has like peppers, they have potatoes, they've got corn, they've got like all that stuff. It's like such a crazy thing with all the seafood too and the meats and the street okay, food. Exactly. Okay. Now, let me ask you, Ryan, you, you kind of mentioned it very briefly before, and uh, we'll, we'll end the podcast soon, but I, I wanted to bring this up because in the next few episodes after this, we have some people lined up uh, that are in different industries, and that's kind of what I'm kind of going on my own bent right now where I, I want to explore different uh, people's journeys and what they're passionate about, but also um, it, would, it would be kind of a little bit ignorant to admit that COVID hasn't effed us all over with like yeah. different stuff. I mean, my industry has been uh, shaking. I'm in manufacturing. So with what, what you've done and what you've experienced, what, what has it been like going amidst COVID being in your industry from your perspective? Uh, it's been quite frustrating, um, mostly because of like, I guess, seeing how the restaurant industry is filled with a lot of people who are for lack of a better word, I want to say like, we're all a bunch of irresponsible kids running around with knives. Um, it's, it's a, it's a dangerous industry for a lot of reasons. Um, just based on like the substance abuse alone, you could say that like, if all the cooks who have these abuse issues for alcohol, they're going to continue drinking in quarantine and then COVID as well. On top of that, they're not going to be following procedures um i mean i'm guilty of it myself i'm not gonna can tell myself tell anybody that i'm a saint uh it's just like there's so many and like i guess people coming into work wearing masks and then you have to taste your food and then you have to pull down the mask to taste the food yeah and then i get it that's something else and then it's like people just like leaving their mask down because it's super hot or like i don't know like people getting up and standing in restaurants and moving around to like go to the washroom even that's a risk people like not sitting outside that's a risk like there's so many different availabilities for COVID-19 sorry burping there's so many different availabilities for COVID-19 in the restaurant industry it's kind of surprising that it's even open um yeah I'm I'm very surprised that I have a job right now. Uh, I'm just trying to take advantage of all the money that's coming in from work. Serious, you have to. It, it hasn't even slowed down. Wow. Like, we're doing 200 covers a night. Wow. The tables are spaced out a little bit more. Like, I mean, yep. we're doing, I mean, 200 a day. So it's like lunch, we'll do 40, dinner 40, or happy hour 40, and then dinner 120. Like, that's 200 easy it's crazy wow that is extremely rare i'm not gonna lie to you like that's that's i mean fortunate i i I get everyone's in a crappy situation but i'm actually like i'm inside i'm kind of like oh like you still have a job like you know what i mean whereas a lot of people are like well sorry guys uh we floated the pub as long as we could uh you're all gone uh you, you know what i mean so uh, what do you, especially with your industry, especially what you have to do, I, I, I wouldn't even think about like tasting the food, how the mask affects you as you're cooking, as the mask would affect you while you're doing stuff. 
do you see any of this kind of getting better or have they been really like, are the owners pretty paranoid? And so you have to make do with what you've got. I mean, I work also in the construction industry with my manufacturing. You go to a site and a super greets you. They're not, you know, giving you six uh, or two meters. Sometimes they're going to shake your hand. Like it's almost like a weird ignorance because you got to just get the job done. Um, it's, it's kind of like a double standard, but you're also not like faulting them. They have to do their job with other people. So I don't know. So any closing thoughts kind of on, on COVID and how, how you see it kind of moving forward? I think, uh, the more I've been working through this pandemic, I'm realizing that it's, it's a system of capitalism trumps all and the monetary value at the end of the day is more important than the potential risk for a lot of people. Mm. Um, Mm. ownership, maybe, um, Maybe the managers, maybe it's the people coming into work, but everybody needs that paycheck because everybody's got a bill to pay, whether it's a yacht bill, whether it's a cell phone bill, like whatever it is. Maybe yeah, you got kids sense. at home. Maybe yeah, it's a sense. cousin on the other side of the world who has to pay, make car payments. Like somebody's got a bill to pay. And mm. I guess it's it's the risk of like, okay, well, how much stress can I take working and then – in addition to that, how much like can I do to follow procedure, but how much can I skirt away with at the same time? Like how sure. many corners can I cut? Yeah. So it's like, yeah, it's all about the money for the, my industry, I think. No, fair enough. And kind of having to make do with what you have. I don't think anyone yeah. – it's like any safety protocol. They can't expect everything to be by the book all the time. And I get that. I know some people might be you know, rolling over in their graves freaking out right now, but the premise is you, you make do with what you have. So totally get that. Um, just in terms of, of final thoughts and where you're going then. So again, one last time with your channel and your brand, what are you, what would you encourage anyone either they're checking out your channel, but also in their own journey for cooking and stuff like that. Is there anything that you would love to get out to anyone who's like me or worse, uh, who just writes off cooking or writes off creation with food or writes Mm -hmm. off exploring your taste buds? I know I'm super bad for that. Are there any closing remarks that Mr. Dexton would give uh, just to encourage or push people or provoke them to figure that out a little bit more? They don't know what they're missing. I think it's challenging yourself um, multiple times in the same way. I think it's like I don't really like seafood. I work at a seafood restaurant. I don't really (laughs) like I didn't like spicy food until I ate it as many times as I could. And now I'm like, okay, yeah, I'll have a bunch of spicy food. Like, I sure. think it's, it's about admitting that, yes, you don't have to start in the perfect place. Like I couldn't fry, I couldn't make fried chicken when I went to culinary school. Like wow. I tried it before I left and I couldn't figure it out. Like now I'm on my way to bigger and better things because I put aside my ego and I'm like, okay, yeah, maybe I'm not going to order skip the dishes tonight. I'm going to figure out how I'm going to make this bully next. Wow. Okay. Yeah, that's what I would say is like, there's a lot of resources. Give it a try. You might fall in love with it. Okay. Just cooking. Also, it's cheaper. Well, I mean, you know, I, like I said, it, for me, it's probably even just the getting started. It's when when you put a recipe in front of me, maybe then it's like, okay, you just have to go step by step. There are stages to the dish. Right. Right. Whereas I think I write it off immediately where I'm like, it's too much work. Maybe skip the dishes is what's best, you know? And so I, I think that I know my wife would appreciate it. I hope she doesn't listen to this. Uh, but I, I, I digress. I, I think with people, a lot of it, the ignorance about the food industry comes from 
you know, Jamie Oliver can do it. Gordon Ramsay can do it. Professional cooks can do it, but leave it to the professionals. Where yeah. So let me ask you this then, Ryan, last question. What's, uh, what's next for you, uh, both on social media, but also in your career, what are kind of what's happening in your, your life right now? What are you hoping to, to move in the next, I don't know, six, 12 months? Uh, I guess I'm going to be going back to West Vancouver, reopening the restaurant um, as a higher position as a sous chef. So that's extremely exciting. Um, huge step for me, which I'm excited well about. Done. And then uh, from there, just learning to control my temper, ego, and just paying attention to all the little details uh, and just taking in as much information as possible, you know? I love it, man. That's great. That's fantastic. So again, I just want to tell everyone, go Ryan Dean Dexton, R-Y-A-N-D-E-A-N-D-E-X-T-O-N, YouTube, Instagram, look him up. Uh, A, his thumbnails are quite well done. Uh, he's so <laughs> badass with his wonderful tattoos and his sweet swag. Uh, you can even check out one of his recent Instagram posts where he you know, is showing off his thrifty little jacket, which looked amazing. Um, thank you, thank you. but yes, yes, yes. Uh, but also YouTube, like I said, his videos well done. They're short. Okay. But there's also some really good stuff there for anyone to watch and it will make you hungry. Just don't have a bag of chips. Maybe even copy the recipe. Who knows? Oh, have a bag of chips. I eat so many chips. <laughs> Never mind. Eat the chips. Watch, <laughs> watch the risotto as he's eating this immaculate dish and then eat some chips. Sure. Go for it. <laughs> so no, my man, absolute, absolute pleasure. Seriously. And I'm glad even just like when we even talked about it before we even started recording, it was just kind of like, well, I don't know what's going to happen other than let's talk about you. Let's talk about what you're passionate about. So uh, make sure you, uh, you you subscribe to his channel. Give him a like. Seriously, I think that that would be well-deserved on his end. And again, you might learn something. And uh, I wish you guys all a fantastic evening, morning, day, whatever. Um, and yeah, if you're in Vancouver, maybe you should message Mr. Dexton and see where he's cooking and try some of his stuff. Either he's a big liar or he's a fantastic cook. <laughs> I think he's the the latter in a good way. And uh, okay, there you go. Perfect. That's great. So seriously, Ryan, man, thank you so much for your time. And I really appreciate you doing this podcast with me. Uh, no, thank you. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thanks so much for tuning in to this week's episode of the Restaurants Podcast. Feel free to like and subscribe to support. I love hearing from you, so make sure you send me any feedback and show ideas at russrantsreel at gmail.com. You can find me at Twitter at russrants1 and Instagram at russrants. Thanks so much, and I hope to see you next time. Seriously, take care. Bye-bye.